I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, February 28th, 2023, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, 52% is the share of Korean 18 to 29-year-olds that are using an iPhone last year. Now, it's up from 44% two years earlier. And what's most surprising about this number is that Apple is gaining ground among Gen Z globally, but even on the home turf of its arch rival, Samsung. Jay? Are you team iPhone, team Android? Why would you ever be team Android? I'll leave it to you. I'm feeling attacked. You know I am team Android, and I'm only team Android because my last iPhone, the battery just died one day and wouldn't charge. And I found that extremely frustrating. It wasn't a slow death, it was a fast death. So I switched to Android. I'm very happy with my, it's no free plugs, but you already said the word Samsung. Sure. So I have a Samsung S21 Plus, I think it is. I like it. But my son today, who's nine, asked if I was going to get an iPhone for my next phone. So the tide may be turning, I guess. The main thing that I can't give up, like I know that that Google phone has a really good camera, like I get it. However, iMessage, it's a walled garden and it's so important to have iMessage, at least in North America. In other parts of the world, they all use WhatsApp, but at least in North America, iMessage is so important that I can never see myself switching. Yeah, I'm feeling the pull again, so I will be less resistant as we have this conversation. You heard it here first. Making news, Brett, aside from what phone I use, which I can't believe is important to anybody, <laughs> what do we have for peak bells today? <laughs> well, you know, it's color. For our first story, VCs are funding defense startups. For our second story, Twitter layoffs. And for our last story, charities call on Canada to step up their foreign aid game. For our first story, venture capitalist money right now might be drying up, dropping by a third globally last year, but startups are still fetching billion-dollar valuations by tapping into something that never goes out of style, Brett, matters of national security. Where and what are the next crop of unicorns, Brett? So let's talk about Skydio. They're a drone startup with customers ranging from everyday enthusiasts looking to capture videos of people wiping out on the ski hill to the U.S. military looking to do some recon missions. Now, they've raised $230 million at a $2.2 billion valuation. The round, including VC heavyweight Andries and Horowitz, alongside big corps like NVIDIA and deep-pocketed celebrities like Magic Johnson and Justin Timberlake, two people I trust with my national security. Hey, on the court and off the court, this all matters because as VCs pull out of traditional tech investment, new sectors of focus are emerging. One such sector is defense, which has proven to be a new haven for investor dollars thanks to an increased national defense budget in the face of geopolitical uncertainty. Now, VCs poured $7 billion into aerospace and defense companies between January and October last year, marking substantial growth as other sectors fell, this according to PitchBook. In the past, VCs have shied away from investments in defense due to moral and ethical complications, but Russia's invasion of Ukraine has caused a shift in thinking. Not to mention balloons over North America. But what makes startups like Skydio so attractive is that they're also consumer-facing, allowing them to bring in revenue while they wait through long government procurement cycles. Now to zoom out, with billions in dry powder sitting around, major firms are also seeking out companies dealing in quote-unquote must-haves like budgeting products or buzzy tech, anything AI really. So we might be in the middle of a VC winter, but big firms are still finding their ways to keep toasty. For our second story, the social media company Twitter has laid off another 200 employees or about 10% of its remaining workforce, bringing the company's headcount to less than 2,000 from about 7,500 when Elon Musk first took over the company in October of last year. Now, here's some context, Brett. Twitter hasn't been profitable since 2019, and ad revenues, its main source of income, took at least a 40% hit last year. Musk has relentlessly tried to turn things around, and now another couple hundred are out the door, including workers from key departments. Now, that includes engineers involved in sales 
website maintenance as well as staffers from Twitter's monetization team, which shrank from 30 to fewer than eight. The person overseeing Twitter's splashy new blue check subscription service, Twitter Blue, was among those let go. Not even the company's key internal communication system was spared from the haircut. Late last week, Twitter's management shut down its Slack messaging platform, cutting off access to important digital resources and grinding work to a halt for many. I can't believe they said that. Management told workers that Slack was down. This is the best. Retain maintenance. They told that to a group of people who work in tech. But that really isn't a thing, Brett. According to one Slack employee, leaving Twitter staffers to speculate that it was just another cost-cutting measure. Now, next, Musk's latest innovation for the platform is a plan to share ad revenue with content creators who are signed up for Twitter Blue, which could help drive subscriptions going forward. For our third story, big charities like Oxfam, UNICEF and World Vision are calling on Canada to step up their foreign aid game. Here's what's happening. So ahead of this year's budget, 75 NGOs signed an open letter to Canada's finance minister asking the government to increase international aid contributions from the $8.2 billion it pledged in the last budget and to bump up that figure to $10 billion by 2025. Now, new foreign aid spending last year largely went to programs fighting COVID and supporting Ukraine. The budget also listed combating climate change, strengthening democracy, and improving Improving women's and children's lives globally as focus areas. While there have been no indications on how much foreign aid spending could increase this year, the government has hinted that it will shift how it spends, focusing less on humanitarian aid and more on infrastructure investments. And it matters because the feds may have promised to increase international development assistance annually, but Canada remains a middling donor. In 2021, it spent just 0.23% of its gross national income on international aid, well off the 0.7% target outlined by the United Nations. But at the same time, pressure is on the feds to pull back spending in certain areas as things like war, inflation, and increased interest rates continue to just kind of screw everything up. But here's the bottom line. From a devastating earthquake in Turkey and Syria, to climate disasters in the global south, to recalcitrant authoritarianism in Afghanistan, just to name a few causes, it seems there is more need for help now than ever, but also more pressure than ever to cut back. Hey, pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett, and have a good last day of February, Peak Pals. Peak Pals.